Welcome to the Christian History Podcast, Chapter 2, Episode 48. Last week, I covered the history of the Philistines. If you missed that episode, you should really go back and give it a listen. This week, I'm covering the history of the city of Beersheba, so let's get started. Beer is the Hebrew word for well, and Shiva could mean seven or oath, and is possibly from the Hebrew word Shiva. In the case of this city, the meaning is probably oath, as the ancient Hebrews believed seven to be a lucky number, and the Hebrew Shiva literally means to seven oneself, possibly. Beersheba appears in the Old Testament in several places, first in Genesis chapter 21, when Abraham excavates a well and signs a treaty with King Abimelech of Greer at the site. In the narrative, Abraham and Abimelech settle their differences over a well of water and made a covenant. Abimelech's men had taken the well from Abraham after he had previously dug it. So Abraham brought sheep and cattle to Abimelech to bribe him into giving the well back. He set aside seven lambs to swear that it was he and no one else that had dug the well. Abimelech then conceded that the well belonged to Abraham. Therefore, it is generally thought that the name Beersheba means either the well of seven or the well of the oath. Abraham, in the same chapter, planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba. A tamarisk is a short, relatively squat cedar tree that can flourish in the extremely saline soil. Beersheba is next found in the same book in chapter 26, when Isaac signs a different treaty with the same king, and then, coincidentally enough, has his servants also dig a well there. Like father, like son. Beersheba is mentioned another 31 times in the Old Testament. It is here that Isaac built an altar, also in Genesis chapter 26. Jacob has his dream about a stairway to heaven after departing Beersheba in Genesis 28. Beersheba was the territory of the tribe of Simeon and Judah, as found in Joshua chapters 15 and 19. The sons of the prophet Samuel were judges in Beersheba in 1 Samuel 8. King Saul built a fort at Beersheba to support his campaign against the Amalekites, starting in 1 Samuel chapter 14. After Jezebel ordered him killed, the prophet Elijah took refuge in Beersheba in 1 Kings 19. The prophet Amos mentions the city regarding its idolatry in both Amos chapters 5 and 8. Then, in 2 Kings chapter 18, there is a curious story about the dismantling of an altar. What makes this story more interesting is that the archaeological evidence convincingly supports a correlation between the biblical account of the cultic reform carried out by King Hezekiah who ruled around the turn of the 7th century BC. More on that in a bit. After the Babylonian conquest and ensuing enslavement of many Israelites, the town was abandoned. But when the freed Israelite slaves returned from Babylon, they resettled the town. According to the Old Testament, Beersheba was the southernmost city of the territories settled by the Israelites. Hence the use of the expression from Dan to Beersheba, to describe the whole of the Judean kingdom. A form of this boundary statement is found in Judges 20, 1 Samuel 3, 2 Samuel 3 and 17, and 1 and 2 Kings. Not to forget, Zebiah, the consort of King Hazaiah of Judah, 
and the mother of King Jehoash of Judah, was from Beersheba. King Haziah was the son of King Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab is such an interesting story that he will be covered later, and at the pace I'm proceeding, probably much later. So that's the city, town, village, whichever, as presented in the Bible. But what about its history outside of the biblical text? Archaeologists believe that the human settlement in the area dates to the Copper Age. The inhabitants of this era probably lived in caves, crafting metal tools, hence the name of the era, and probably raised cattle. Findings unearthed at Tel Beersheba, an archaeological site a little east of the modern-day Beersheba, suggest the region has been inhabited as far back as the 4th millennium BC. The site was probably chosen due to the abundance of water, as evidenced by the numerous wells in the area. Abraham and Isaac, anyone? Tel Beersheba is an archaeological site that contains the ruins of an ancient town believed to have been the Beersheba of the Old Testament. It is on a hill overlooking the Wadi Beersheba, 2.5 miles or 4 kilometers east of the modern city of Beersheba. The site was excavated between 1969 and 1976 by the Tel Aviv University Institute of Archaeology. Most of the excavation focused on uncovering the fortified Israelite city, generally thought to have reached its peak during the United Monarchy of King David, probably around 1000 BC. It was also prominent during the Kingdom of Judah, between about 980 and 700 BC. The ruins at the site date to what is considered the early Israelite period, most likely around the 10th century BC. The streets of the ancient site were laid out in a grid, with separate areas for administrative, commercial, military, and residential use. The well-planned city model is becoming a common theme. Many researchers believe it to be the first planned settlement in the region. And in keeping with the aquatic theme, it is also known for its elaborate water system, specifically a huge cistern carved out of the rock beneath the town. Trains running under some of the streets conducted rainwater out of the city and into this well-preserved water system of cisterns, which in turn provided the inhabitants with drinking water. The best preserved layout of the city may be from the late 8th century BC. Reconstructed plans of that era suggest that Beersheba was planned with areas for administrative structures and also with specific areas for dwellings, all incorporated into a coherent scheme. But I'll back up a bit. The earliest occupation at Beersheba was during the early Iron Age. Archaeologists believe that the entire settlement of this era was quite small, maybe covering just over half an acre, which is a quarter hectare. In more visual terms, it's about half a football field. The population was thought to have been between 100 and 140 people. Houses were found in a soil layer thought to date to the 11th century BC, so about 100 years before King David's reign. But then the site appears to have been abandoned, or maybe not. Other finds suggest the settlement was probably first fortified sometime in the 11th century BC. Remember, this was when Beersheba was on the southern border of the fledgling Israelite kingdom. Given the timing, it was probably King Saul that ordered the defensive system built during the wars with the Amalekites. But there is also other archaeological evidence, such as interregional comparisons and radiocarbon dating, that suggest the fortification phase may be newer, potentially dating to the late 10th or 9th century BC. 
At this time, the city was destroyed in a conflagration, possibly during the campaign of Sennacherib in 701 BC. Sennacherib was the king of Assyria from 705 to 681 BC. Fortifications include a casemate wall and a four-room city gate. In the West, we sometimes refer to a casemate wall as a casement. The fusion of houses into the casemate wall implies that the home's inhabitants were directly responsible for the city's defense and reflects the military and administrative role of Beersheba. Archaeologists estimate that around 350 people lived in the city of Beersheba during this era. During the Persian era, roughly from about 539 to 332 BC, Beersheba was at the south end of the Yuhid Meninata Autonomous Province of the Persian Archimenid Empire. It was at that time that the city was rebuilt and also a citadel was constructed. Archaeological finds from between 359 and 338 BC have included pottery and pottery fragments. One of the more interesting findings at Tel Beersheba is a horned animal altar, the first ever unearthed in Israel. Altars with animal horns at their four corners are frequently referred to in the Old Testament, such as in Exodus chapters 29, 30, and 38, Leviticus chapter 4, and 1 Kings chapters 1 and 2. The altar was not found assembled as for its original use, but instead was discovered where the stones of the altar had later been used as part of the structure for a wall. The actual dating of the altar remains undetermined. Some researchers believe that the altar was one of the altars that was dismantled as part of Hezekiah's religious reforms. Its stones were then reused in the 8th century BC wall, and the wall itself was destroyed towards the end of the 8th century, possibly during Sennacherib's Judean campaign of 701. Another researcher dates the wall to more than 100 years later. This theory proposes that the wall was probably destroyed around the time the Babylonians captured and destroyed Jerusalem in 587 BC. Jumping forward for just a second, due to all the discoveries in the region, in 2007, Tel Sheba was recognized as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. To put this in context, there are more than 200 tells in Israel, but Beersheba was cited as one of the most representative containing substantial remains of a city with biblical connections. The city's importance declined after this period, as it warranted few comments in the known historical record. That was until the Roman and Byzantine periods. When the region was under Roman rule, the city was located in what was known as the Coelisyria region. Sometime around 64 BC, Pompeius Magnus made Beersheba the southern part of the Judea province. It was then, and also during the Byzantine period, that the town served as a frontline defense against the Nabataean attacks. As a refresher, the Nabataean were an Arab people who inhabited northern Arabia and the southern Levant. Recovered artifacts show that the last inhabitants of Tel Beersheba were the Byzantines, who abandoned the city when the Muslims conquered the region. Beersheba was described on the Madaba map. I covered that map many episodes ago. Also, Eusebius of Caesarea described the city during the 4th century AD as a large village with a Roman garrison, no doubt quartered at the location due to its proximity to enemy forces. Around 632 AD, and during the Muslim conquest, the city was destroyed and abandoned, though not necessarily in that order. 
But in the 19th century AD, pottery from the late Byzantine and early Islamic rule was uncovered at the site. Traveling forward in time many centuries, the Ottomans began to control the area in the 16th century. Then, in the late 19th century, they began to exploit the region's natural resources. The Ottomans established a limestone quarry in the canyon near the city. The quarry provided the stone needed for the city's and the region's many construction projects. The Ottomans invested much capital in the region, building roads and a number of buildings from the locally sourced material. Many of these are still standing today. With the rebuilding effort, they also re-established the gridded street pattern, which still exists in Beersheba's old city. Most of the residents at the time were Arabic and from Hebron in the Gaza region, but Jews also began settling in the city. The many Bedouins abandoned their nomadic lives and built homes in Beersheba. During World War I, the Ottomans built a military railroad from the Hedges Line to Beersheba. Logistics, from the ancient to the modern era, wins wars. The railroad line was active until the British Army drove the Ottomans out in 1917 as the end of the war to end all wars approached. More specifically, the Battle of Beersheba was part of a wider British offensive in World War I, primarily intended to penetrate the Ottoman defensive line from Gaza to Beersheba. Beersheba played an important role in the Sinai and Palestine campaign during this conflict. On Halloween 1917, three months after taking Rafah, British General Allenby's troops penetrated the Ottomans' defensive line between Gaza and Beersheba. About 500 soldiers from the Australian 4th Light Horse Brigade, led by General William Grant, and to put in perspective, they were on horseback, as their name suggests and they were armed with only bayonets. Despite this, they charged the Turkish trenches, overran them, and captured the wells. The entire battle is commonly known as the Battle of Beersheba. It's also generally believed to be the last successful cavalry charge in British military history. Situated on the edge of Beersheba's old city is a Commonwealth War Graves Commission cemetery that contains the graves of the Australian, New Zealand, and British soldiers killed in this battle. After the war, and also after France and Britain had divided the Levant in what is known as the Palestine Mandate, Beersheba was a key administrative center. The British constructed a railway between Rafa and Beersheba in October 1917. In 1928, when the tension between the Jews and the Arabs' control over Palestine was in its infancy, Wide-scale rioting left 133 Jews dead and 339 wounded. As a result of this, many Jews abandoned Beersheba, but some returned later. Then, in 1936, there was an Arab attack on a Jewish bus, which escalated into a three-year Arab revolt in Palestine. Growing conflict led to the exodus of most of the remaining Jews. To level set, and to provide some context, in 1922, the British conducted a census in Palestine. At the time, Beersheba had a population of 2,012 Muslims, 235 Christians, 98 Jews, and 11 Druze, for a total headcount of 2,356. The same process was repeated in 1931, where Beersheba had 545 occupied houses and a population of 2,791 Muslims, 152 Christians, 11 Jews, and 5 Baha'i. 
So, over the course of nine years, the Muslim population had grown 38%, while the others shrunk at least in half. The 1945 village survey showed the trend continuing with 5,360 Muslims, 200 Christians, and only 10 people of other faiths. Following World War II in 1947, the United Nations Special Committee on Palestine proposed that Beersheba be included within the Jewish state in their partition plan of British Palestine. However, when the UN's ad hoc committee revised the plan, they moved Beersheba to the Arab state, purportedly because its population was primarily Arab. Then, following Israel's declaration of independence, the Egyptian army amassed its forces in Beersheba as a strategic and logistical base. During the 1948 Arab-Israeli War, Israeli military intelligence intercepted a telegram from Egyptian officers about plans to redeploy troops between Beersheba and Gaza. As a countermeasure, the Israeli army deployed with the objective of breaking the Egyptian blockade of Israeli convoys to the Negev. The Egyptian army was caught flat-footed and fled en masse. About 120 Egyptian soldiers were taken prisoners by the Israelis. The remaining Arab civilians, which consisted of 200 men and 150 women and children, were taken to a police stockade. Later, the women, children, disabled, and elderly were driven by truck to the Gaza border. Also, the Egyptian soldiers were interned in POW camps. Many of the local men then began living in the local mosque. The government put these men to work cleaning and restoring the city but later discovered that they were supplying intel to the Egyptian army. They got off easy by being deported to the Gaza border. Following this, a 6-mile or 10-kilometer radius Bedouin exclusion zone was established around Beersheba. Within a few months of the end of the conflict, the town's war-damaged houses were repaired. Then, after the war, a wave of Jewish immigration to Israel overtook the area. Along with the entire country, Beersheba experienced a population boom as thousands of immigrants moved in. By 1956, the city had a population of about 22,000. Unfortunately, but similar to other cities in the region, Beersheba has not escaped modern conflict. In October 2004, 16 people were killed in two separate suicide bombings on commuter buses in Beersheba. The Palestinian terrorist group Hamas claimed responsibility. About a year later, another suicide bomber attacked the central bus station, seriously injuring two security guards and 45 bystanders. A couple of years after that, in late 2008, over the course of about three weeks, Hamas fired over 2,000 rockets and mortars from Gaza into southern Israel, including Beersheba. These rocket attacks have continued since that time, but their effectiveness has been greatly reduced due to the Israeli use of an air defense system. Other attacks have ensued as well. In 2010, a terrorist attacked and injured two people with an axe. As for geography, Beersheba is located on the northern edge of the Negev Desert, 71 miles or 115 kilometers southeast of Tel Aviv, and about 75 miles or 120 kilometers southwest of Jerusalem. The city is located on the primary thoroughfare from both the center and north of the country to Iliad in the far south. What is known as the Beersheba Valley has been inhabited for thousands of years, largely due to the abundant water. 
This water flows from the Hebron Hills in the winter and is stored underground in ancient cisterns. The primary river in Beersheba is the Nahal Beersheba, a wadi that floods in the winter. The Kavshim and Ketuf streams also pass through the city. Beersheba is currently the largest city in the Negev Desert of southern Israel. It is also the fourth most populated metropolitan area in Israel and the eighth most populated city in Israel with over 200,000 inhabitants. And that is the history of the city of Beersheba and the episode for this week. Join me next week when I'll cover the history of Hebron as found in Genesis chapter 23. You don't want to miss it. And this week, I hope you will go to iTunes or wherever you receive the podcast from and leave a positive review. Doing so helps others to find this podcast. As always, you can find information about the podcast on the internet at christianhistorypodcast.com. Comments and questions can be sent to comments at christianhistorypodcast.com. You can also find the Facebook page by searching the phrase Christian History Podcast as three separate words. Once there, be sure to like the page. And for the over 2,200 people that already have, I truly appreciate it. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to subscribe so you get the episodes as soon as they are released. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.